0: I know everyone gives the eventers a hard time that we're all jack of all trades, but our horses are the, I think, the best athletes out of any discipline. We ask so much of them every day, and it's just, it's crazy when you have a good five-star horse. They're just the most amazing athlete out there. The the hard thing is, so you have to, you know, you have to get them quiet enough to do dressage and show off all of those movements, but then you have to have them so fit to go around that four- to six-mile cross-country course, and then you expect them to show jump clear the next day. It's just insane. They're such incredible athletes and their minds are amazing you know you might get a little bit of a sharp horse but they try so so hard every time you ride them it's it's amazing you know so they're just they're freaks of nature these uh, five-star horses they're just they're, they're insane
1: welcome to the practical horseman podcast featuring conversations with respected riders industry leaders and horse care experts The show is co-hosted by Practical Horseman editors, and our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire. I'm Julia Murphy, and this week's episode is with Team USA international five-star eventer, Caroline Martin. From a young age, Caroline made her mark on the world of eventing as a rising star and future asset for U.S. teams. At just 17 years old, she was named to the USEA high-performance training list, making her the youngest equestrian to do so. By the age of 18, Caroline had won gold at the 2013 North American Youth Championships, and by 2018, she'd been named the USEA's Young Rider of the Year multiple times. To date, Caroline has represented her country on multiple Nations Cup teams and topped annual leaderboards countless times. Now, at just 26 years old, Caroline balances her time between running her business and competing at the highest level of eventing. But, prior to her success, Caroline admits that horses weren't her absolute focus growing up. She liked to play other sports, she built time for a quote-unquote normal social life that any high schooler wants, and even studied abroad in Nicaragua to see what life would be like without horses. But that life without horses was short-lived, and in this episode, Caroline shares that she learned during her time away that she needed horses to be a part of her life. From there forward, horses did become her focus, so much so that Caroline now runs her own business, which supports her career as a top player in U.S. eventing. You'll hear more on that from Caroline in a bit, but before diving into the conversation, I'd like to thank the sponsor of this week's podcast, Bimeda, and share their message. Bimeda might be the biggest animal health company you've never heard of until now. Bymeda's products have been trusted by vets and owners since the 1960s when their Irish roots began. Bimeda is one of the largest producers of dewormers like Equimax, Vimectin, and Exodus. World-renowned equine athletes also rely on polyglycan, a patented formula that replaces lost or damaged synovial fluid, and confidence pheromone Gel, which reduces and prevents equine stress. Consult your vet and visit BymedaUS.com to see where to buy. Now, let's get into the conversation with Caroline. Okay, so we're going to start with the basics. Um, pretty introductory questions. And the first
2: question is, how did you get interested in horses and riding?
0: Um, so when I was... I think around three years old, my mom, um, my dad actually made a little bit of money. So he, my mom's always wanted a horse. So he went out and bought her her first horse. So it was, uh, off a track thoroughbred. Um, and so there was a local eventing barn that was about 40 minutes away. And that was the only local barn we have in our area in Pennsylvania. So she so happened to be an event barn. So he bought her a horse. She started, started riding, getting lessons. And then a She drug me to the barn every day because I was so young and nothing else to do. So that's kind of how I got started into the horses. And naturally, she kept riding. And then when I got a little bit older, I think around seven, she put me into pony camps and stuff like that. And, yeah, just kind of got the bug that
2: way. Pony camps. I think we've all been there, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It It was was a blast. Yeah.
2: And so what is it about horses and the sport that has kept you involved for so long?
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good question. So I, I actually, when I was 15, I spent a year abroad and I kind of took myself away from the horses. Cause I thought, you know, I, I had Buck Davidson living on my property when I was younger and I thought everyone was crazy, you know, 6am till 6pm every day, all day. And no one really ever got a day off. And I was like, these people are crazy. Why would you want to do this? And I took a year off from horses completely. Um, And then when I, I missed it so much, like I, I I literally think it's, it's just a part of me. You can't, you can't take horses out of me. So I got really depressed and just couldn't handle it. I moved back to the States and I got my um, young riders horses, a four-year-old, his name was quantum solace and he won um, the gold medal at young riders who years later, and I, I was just hooked. I couldn't do anything but horses, so, um,
2: yeah. I actually, um, I spoke to Doug Payne a couple of weeks ago and he actually was like, it's kind of like a drug. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of addicting. You can't, once you start, you can't get out of it.
0: No, goodness. No. And I know I definitely, definitely tried to, but I just, it's just a hundred percent part of me and I, I love it. I love I love the community that eventing has, you know, it's such, we're such a tight knit group of people and, you know, everyone's there every weekend we do it because we love the horses and there's nothing better. There's nothing better than going out in cross country and going into that um, start box and having complete faith in the horse and know that you can jump anything in your way. You know, we've all sat on this couple horses that you get a bit nervous on, but knock on wood, I am I have such a great string that every time I go out to that box, I'm now honestly, you're like, almost get this feeling you're invincible. So, so yeah.
2: And I'm curious, where did you go abroad? Where did you live abroad for a year?
0: Uh, Nicaragua is actually in Central America. Um, Mm -hmm. So my father does business down there. So I just thought I was always going down there as a kid. And I actually grew up in Panama. Um, And so I wanted to spend a little bit more time with him and kind of, you know, get more of a worldly experience. I didn't want to be completely not sheltered wouldn't be a good word, but just, you know, the typical upbringing. I wanted to be a little bit, again, more worldly. Um, So it was a a really great experience. I did a lot of volunteer work and um, I had, it was an abnormal high school experience, but it was normal in the way that I wasn't always in the barn. I was able to have a little bit of a social life and kind of do different sports and did that type of thing where normally when I lived over here in America, it was always horses, horses, horses. So it was, it was a really, really great experience. I'm very appreciative of it, but I'm uh, very glad that I got back into horses and stuck with it.
2: And um, from, you know, that age that you started getting really serious into it and now even in your career, who are the mentors and the people who have influenced your riding over the years? Um, so I was
0: brought up the levels with Buck Davidson. Uh, he was my coach, I think, about 10, 12 years. And then I trained with Leslie Law for a few years with the, when I was a developing rider. And then as a professional, I trained very closely with Ann Krasinski and Betsy Steiner. And then I have some specialty coaches um, like Peter Gray when he's not being a dressage judge, I'm also take quite a few lessons with whatever team coach at the moment. So uh, Eric Du Vander and also Leslie, because he is the developing rider or the emerging rider coach. So between every, those four or five people, um, I've got a really, really good team. I work, work really closely with Ann and Betsy. They're at my farm every week or every other week. So it's great to have them.
2: This next one is kind of a broad question, but why is it that you like eventing so much? What is it about eventing specifically of all the disciplines that you just love so much?
0: Yeah, it was honestly, it's just, I grew up with it. So, you know, my mom, it was just, so it happened, uh, it was just chance that we were close to a eventing barn. And so I was just around that and kind of got thrown in that way. And I'm a little bit like, I love the cross country. I love how aggressive it is. Um, I love how you have to ride a little bit by the seat of your pants. I love the scrappiness, but yet, you know, the top riders is, it's just such a, you have to ride perfectly around that course. And it's, it's such a great feeling when you come off a course and you kind of know you've conquered it, you know, it's, it's, there's no feeling like that. Um, and it's, it keeps it interesting, you know, having three disciplines. Uh, they all they all fit in with each other. You know, your flat work trans- transfers over to your cross country and your show jumping. So, but every day you get to do something different, and you just keep learning. You know, it's you might go to one show and you need to improve your dressage and show jumping. Then the next show you need to improve the horse's fitness, and it's just it's so interesting how how to become the best in it you know it's so so difficult i know everyone gives the eventers a hard time that we're all jack of all trades but our horses are the i think the best athletes out of any discipline we ask so much of them every day and it's just it's crazy when you have a good five-star horse they're just the most amazing athlete out there so so yeah
2: They are. They are so incredible to watch. I have to admit, uh, so I have a hunter-jumper background, um, and I just started going to events for the first time ever. Uh, Kentucky... Uh, Last week was my first time ever going to Kentucky and just being out there and watching what these horses can do like I always respected the horses and the riders but like seeing it in person it's just absolutely incredible and like watching you out there watching everyone out there it's just what these horses can do it's absolutely mind blowing. Yeah, it is. And it's the the
0: hard thing is so you have to, you know, you have to get them quiet enough to do dressage and show off all of those movements. But then you have to have them so fit to go around that four to six mile cross country course. And then you expect them to show jump clear the next day. It's just insane. They're such incredible athletes and their minds are amazing. You know, you might get a little bit of a sharp horse, but they try so, so hard every time you ride them. it's, It's amazing, you know, so they're just they're freaks of nature these uh five star horses they're just they're they're insane so
2: and then speaking of uh conquering like you were before can you talk about some of the most important wins in your life um yeah honestly my young rider win
0: would be really sentimental um i won i can't remember maybe it was 2013 something like that I won the three star long on my quantum souls horse and He was the first horse I really produced from scratch as a four-year-old, and it was special because the week after that, I was supposed to go back to school, go back to high school, and I remember, like, my parents, I was telling my parents, no, I want to do eventing as my career, like, I swear, I promise, like, I'll, you know, work hard, I'll, be able to do it. Just, you know, give me the opportunity, you know, right now is really important. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. You know, know, it might be just a transient thing. You know, you might want to end up doing something else for a living. Um, And I remember winning young riders and being like, see, I'm serious. Like, please, please. And they're like the the next week I was, I had to go back and they're like, okay, all right, fine. We'll, we'll let you switch to online. And then, you know, and then you can do this as your career. And I haven't, you know, deviated from my plan, I'm still doing it and I love it and couldn't imagine doing anything else. So that win was important because I really started my career. And then I did, uh, when I had the win at um, Carolina International as a four short on a horse, I only had for a few weeks. Um, you know, the horse was originally produced by Buck Davidson. And then um, they were going to rot- sell them. My parents owned them. And I asked uh, if I could have the ride on them for a little bit and get to learn you know learn a little bit more on the horse and you know as he was a seasoned pro and yeah then I had the win on there and he was not an easy horse like he was a horse that would have go into show jumping and have five or six down especially at the advanced level and I don't think the horse ever made the time cross country and I don't know we just kind of got along really well the horse and I and so to win that big division really was a confidence builder for me um just a proved to myself and proved to everyone that, you know, we were able to become, you know, very competitive at the level.
2: On the topic of horses, and we talked about influential people, can you talk about the most influential horses in your life and in your career?
0: Quantum Solace would be the most influential horse of my career. He had a heart of gold. He was one of those horses that he would try 110% every day, even though he didn't have the most talent. He was just a freak of nature how much he would try. He was just, he's the sweetest, sweetest animal you can be around. You can ride him bareback one day and go ask him to go around a top cross-country horse the next day. So there's not many horses like that. I don't think I'll ever have a horse like him again.
2: What was his personality like?
0: He was a little bit grumpy in the stall, but he was a sweetheart. You know, it was, it's kind of hard to explain. He was always, he didn't want you to hold him and kiss him and love him, but he wanted always to be the one that got brushed first or fed first or the most attention paid um, to, you know, so he was just, he was a grumpy old man, but he had the heart of gold.
2: And uh, a little more talk about um, competition as far as winning and losing in this sport, you can never predict how something's going to go with horses things don't always go mm-hmm. as planned. So, uh how do you deal with um, maybe not winning something or if you had an expectation for a horse or a show and it didn't go the way that you wanted to? How do you deal with that?
0: Uh, I work harder to be honest, so Kentucky didn't go that well for me. I have to say, I'm pretty disappointed in myself, and uh, so you know, we drove home Sunday night, get to the barn I'm out we get home at like three a m Monday and I'm out in the barn seven a m Uh, Monday, unpacking, riding, training. I went to the gym. I've been to the gym every single day this week, starting at 5 a.m. and just kind of, I don't know. I don't think, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but my philosophy is, you know, I'm going to keep training harder and pushing my body the most I can. So until I can win, Um, I'm just, I'm way too competitive. I wish I wasn't so competitive, but as I don't know what else to do. So just keep, working harder and I feel like if I'm working the hardest eventually has to go my way ra- my way <laughs> so
2: and then at big competitions like Kentucky do you ever get nervous or like how do you handle your nerves
0: um I don't get too nervous uh the biggest thing is it depends what you're sitting on if you're not sitting on let's say a horse that you don't believe that can make it around the competition, then yeah, I'm probably throwing up (laughs) and I can't handle my nerves, but knock on wood, I've been really fortunate to have extremely, extremely good horses and I, I 110% believe in them. So, um, I get nervous because I want to do well, but I don't get, um, stage fright. You know, I try to make sure I'm focused. I do run a really big sales operation. Uh, we sell about 100 horses a year. So the big thing for me at the competitions is that I'm not dealing too much. I'm not trying. I am try- I tell people that you have to give me the week off. And if you want to buy a horse or if you need this or that, that you have to wait till after my competition. Um, so that's a that's a big thing. I just make sure that I'm a little I'm 100 percent focused and not being pulled in too many directions at the big shows.
2: This kind of goes along with that theme. Do you have any routines before big shows or any superstitions or anything you like to do before you get out get out in the ring or out on cross country?
0: Yeah, I have so many superstitions and <laughs> the funny thing is every time I break a bone or have a fall or something happens, then I start with a clean slate, you know. So Kentucky. I had the week before. I had two very young horses in a in a long um, in Ocala, so I kept the same pants and the shirts. I washed them obviously, but I kept them aside and I rewore those cross-country clothes because I deemed them lucky for some reason. And then, um, yeah, like I, you know, it depends. Sometimes I in my brain, like if I if I have a whole bunch of horses in a show um the way I circle like the start box if I had the horse before that went really well and I say circle the start box twice or something like that I tried to do that on my next horse and keep it in the routine and kind of follow the same path it I don't know why I work that way but that's just kind of how how I've been and then of course if I fall off for half stop or something then I'm like okay this is you're being crazy Caroline there's no such thing as good luck or bad
2: luck <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny <laughs> And then, um, as far as training, like when you're home and training your horses and training yourself, um, do you have a philosophy that you like to follow? Yeah.
0: Um, and the biggest thing is you have to have a plan. So, uh, long term, long term and short term. And so each horse, I look at them and I say, you know, this horse, what level does this horse need to finish this year? What is this horse's weaknesses and stuff like that? And so, I'm, I write a schedule every day and then but then I also every six months I write or yeah, every six months I write a six month schedule. So right now I'm just finishing up with everyone's spring plans and, and now I gotta prepare for everyone's fall plans. So you know and I kind of work the schedule backwards to see you know what days the horses need to gallop. you know eventers, us eventers, we gallop the horses every four to five days, um, especially going to a big three day. Um, so their fitness work is really important and then their flat work and then I touch up with my specialty coaches. So Anne and Betsy and see, you know, when they have time to help me with the flat work and the jumping and then, yeah, I'm a, I plan a lot. I write a lot of schedules. I write a lot of notes and then every horse has their own their own schedule and, you know, depending on their weaknesses and their strengths. You know, we have some horses that have more thoroughbred in them, so they might do less fitness work, but they might need more flat work. And then I have some horses that are great on the flat and need to be on my hill in Pennsylvania, you know, six days a week. Um, so, yeah.
2: How often do you get to train with your special specialty coaches? I try
0: to do it biweekly. Um Uh, it also depends on their schedule. So when I'm in Ocala, um, Krasinski comes up from Wellington, so we might do every other week, but when she comes for that day, we're jumping 15 horses together. So she gets there about 10 AM, 9 AM, and we're jumping all the way till 6 PM and literally nonstop. We, We take about a 20-minute break to drag the ring and then for her to eat lunch and me to chug a Red Bull or something like that. And then we keep training. You know, it's very intense. And then when I'm up here in Pennsylvania, she's only about 30 minutes away from me, so we get to see each other more. And I can kind of bring a few horses to her place, and then she'll come over to my place and train me on a few, and that's a bit easier. And then same with my dressage coaches. We do – my dressage coaches, we actually do more – twice a week because we and we spread it out we might or twice a week and we'll do about like four three or four horses each training day um and then they might ride the horses or i might ride them um so so yeah do you teach students i do not actually so the way i structured my business is that i do sale horses uh and then i yeah i run this wholesale operation so that honestly takes the time out of my day where I don't have time for students. Um, and honestly, I'm not very good coach. It's very impressive when, what the coaches do, you know, they're really good at kind of telling everyone, you know, how to tell them how to do stuff. And I just, for some reason, I lack that ability to communicate, you know, um, but with the sale horses, I've got really great connections. So, that's how I am financially support myself is finding these horses and working. I work for Paul Hendricks and Emil Spadone. And so they source the horses and I just find them their new homes.
2: When you are riding those horses and riding your horses, do you have um, any favorite exercises or type of work that you think is important in your ride?
0: Most important thing um, in my ride, to be honest, well, there's, there's two, I really, fitness is a huge thing. You know, we've got a really great trot trot path and I do a lot of my dressage up on the Hills. But the second thing is, um, you know, to take your time and to warm up the horses and to actually make them enjoy it. You know, like everyone, I, I find that sometimes, you know, everyone gets into kind of a drilling mentality and stuff like that. And when you have kind of a day where, you know, both of you don't feel like you're doing hundred percent go for a hack you know, and have a really good plan. Um, you know, I can tell there's exercises, there's tons of exercises I like to do. I like to do bounces in the field. I like to make sure I have really small, I love to do put rep- all the show jumps really small and kind of go in and out of the lines and maybe put a four stride and a three stride and you know make the horses really adjustable and especially for eventing your horse kind of has to trust you 110 percent sometimes like at kentucky you had a few jumps that were around on blind turns and the horse didn't see it till the last second so we have to have our horses so trained that they pick up literally when you tell them to pick up so um so yes there's there's lots of stuff like that but a little bit my philosophy is that you know, you and your horse have to kind of enjoy it, you know, so if either of you are having a bad day, go for a hack and kind of be grateful of the little things.
2: And that, like you were just saying that trust out on cross country is such a big deal because, you know, the horses, it could be that last stride before they see the fence. Um, And what do you do to build your horse's trust and to build their relationship with them?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great, uh, question I can give you an example. So, I got a horse in about two years ago, um, and it was a super troubled horse. I sold it for a friend of mine, or I was selling it for a friend of mine, and it arrived to me and it wouldn't jump over a cross rail. Um, his name's Diablo Hit. Um, and I remember the day he arrived, I actually had a broken collarbone from a different horse. And I threw two of my riders on him. The first rider gone on him. I said, oh, why don't you go jump across me? I want to. The horse is beautiful. I want to see it jump. Slams on the brake. The girl goes over his head, and she breaks her arm. And then the next girl, I'm like, oh, come on. All right. So I tell the next girl to get on. Same thing happens. She falls off and breaks her uh, tailbone. And I'm like, come on, guys. Like, this horse can't be that bad. And I remember I'm rehabbing, and so we did a lot of just – Cavalettis and logs and just really brought it back to the basics and the biggest thing is the basics with these horses and then I remember getting on the horse after um, after my surgery and getting fixed up and I really just took my time and with the event horses they just they gotta trust you 100% you gotta every time you ride them you have to you're, you're either training the horse or untraining the horse and every time I got on Diablo I made sure I explained everything the best to my ability. Um, I never once lied to him or, you know, try to set up something that tricked him or anything like that. I was just always a hundred percent honest with them and just showed him the way he should be. And knock on wood, this horse has been incredible. He went he was a horse that would get eliminated at training level to a horse that won the national championships two star long last year and has been topping all of his intermediates. So um Patience is the biggest thing. And again, not lying to these horses just every day. You just have a small goal. You know, your goal might be, I just want to hack down to the field on loose rein. And then you just every day, you just try 110%. And eventually, I think they always come around. Um, I'm not, I don't think I've, I've maybe only had one horse out of, you know, probably hundreds of horses that have came through my barn that has had an issue. Uh, that I don't think I've been able to fix. I am, yeah.
2: Do you do any type of groundwork with them when it comes to trust and building relationships?
0: Um, Honestly, not, not. Uh, I'm no, I'm no tick Maynard and I don't do any of that stuff I think it's so impressive what they do, but I've honestly, I've never been taught that or never really tried much of that. Um, I've just done everything on their back, you know, um, that's just naturally where I always go to, we do do a little bit of lounging over cross country jumps and stuff like that. But I found always, I like to fix the horses on their back and try to figure it out that way. And I'm a big believer that, you know, on the ground, they got to be well-behaved, you know, they got to stand on the grass, they got to do you know, behave for the farrier, behave for the vet. They have to behave when you turn them in and out, you know, they got to walk on your shoulder and stuff like that. But the biggest thing is like when I'm up here in Pennsylvania, I give all my horses, my personal horses, they all have style guards and I feed them buckets and buckets of treats. That's a big thing for me is we like to, I like to bribe my horses, bribe them as much as possible.
2: You can't hear me, but I was laughing on the other end. (laughs) Um, And then a couple more questions just to wrap up. Um, So why do you think you have been so successful as a rider in your career?
0: Oh, I don't think I'm successful at all. Every day it kills me. (laughs) There's so much more I need to, uh, there's so much I need to win and I need to do better. You know, I, I don't think I've ever been successful. I think if anything, I've been lucky and I've been on really, really good horses and I've had really good training. Um, you know, it's just, just, I, yeah, Uh, I'm sorry. I can't answer your question. I just, I don't think, I think maybe hopefully in 40 years, so I'm 26 now. So maybe hopefully in 40 years or 30 years, you can ask me that question and I can answer it. And hopefully I can tell you, Oh yes, I'm finally successful. But I am nowhere nearly as successful as I want to be or can be.
2: Well, I think a lot of people would disagree with you, but I also will keep that in my notebook for the next in 40 years when I talk to you again. I'll ask you I'll ask you how you're feeling. Uh, <laughs> and then um, what is the hardest part of this sport for you?
0: The lows, to be honest. When the horses get hurt is so devastating. You know, you put your heart and soul in these horses and when they're injured it's just it breaks my heart you know um if they get hurt if it's you know career ending i'm fine with that you know if they can at least go live out in the field and maybe get to do something lower levels and that's that's fine but yeah the toughest thing is the lows in the sport you know you put everything into it then Everything can be taken away from you the next day. you know, I'd never mind if I'm getting hurt, you know, I'm fine with that i sometimes I joke and I'm like, "Great, I can finally get a day off if I get to break my collarbone or my foot or something like that. you know um but yeah, it's just it's just nothing heartbreaking than when the horses get hurt it's uh it's really sad, but knock on wood, I've got such a great team of farriers and vets, and they care just as much as I do about these animals, and I've been very fortunate um but still it it still happens it's just it's part of the sport and it's any other it's any high performance athlete there's every soccer player football player everyone eventually gets hurt so that's the tough part
2: and then speaking of you know your horse's care and and veterinary health and nutrition can you speak a little bit more about that like do you have any specific health care routines that you like to follow with your horses I think good riding
0: benefits the most out of everything. Um, You know, you can give your horses all the injections, you can get them all the fancy equipment and you can do this and you can do that. But good riding is the most, most important and doing proper fitness work. You know, my Island Wood horse, he right before, like during the, when he's in full work right now, he's on holiday and he's getting fat and happy, but he works six days a week, twice a day. Um, he'll go for an hour hack in the morning, just up and down the hills. And then I'll do a second ride on him, you know, either flat work or dressage or actual fitness work like a gallop or a trot set. So I think the um, that is the biggest thing, uh, making sure that you're riding them and keep and making sure that they're fit, that you're not pressing their body, you know, too much um, too often giving them their breaks is really important and having a really good team. You know, I know I can call my farrier, my vet, um, my whole team at any point, I can call them at midnight and I know they'll be here and they're, you know, that they care about the horses just as much as I do. Um, and it's really cool. Like when I went to Kentucky, they're all there for me. They're all in the Starbucks for me. And it's, it, there's a, it's so cool to have everyone that has your back. So.
2: And then I know you are still quite young and so successful for your age, but what, um, is there any advice you could think that you would give your younger self, even though that wasn't that long ago? <laughs> yeah, probably.
0: Well, probably just, just trust the program or trust where you're going. You know, there's so many times where I was so unhappy because I was wishing I was doing better or wish I was doing more doing this or doing that. And sometimes I wish I took a little bit of a deep breath when I was younger and just trust the, the, the process. But I probably will say the same thing for the rest of my life that just Caroline, take a deep breath and enjoy every little part. You know, I remember when I won Carolina, um, the next day I didn't like, everyone's like, Oh, do you want to go drinking? Do you want to go party? Do you want to do this? And I'm like, no, I, I need to go work. I need to work more. Like it's just, I can't ever seem to take a, take a break and just kind of enjoy it. So I I definitely need to figure out that part, but yeah.
2: And then last question, what's next for you? What's on your agenda for you and your horses? Um,
0: so I have this new, very exciting horse called Vominos. My friend Kelly Hutchison got him for me and she sent him over from Ireland and I'm going to take him to his first three short at Horse Park of New Jersey. And then he's going to do, that'll be his second intermediate. And then I think I'm going to go take him to the three long at Virginia, along with the very exciting young horse called uh, King Espe- Redfield King Especial. He's owned by Paul Hendricks, Samuel Fidone, Gail Davis, and Derek Shrine. and he won the five-year-old class last year. And so he's gonna do go do his first two long. Uh, so I have a whole bunch of really exciting young horses. Um, it's it's like my favorite part of the day is riding these young horses and getting and teaching them things. You know, I remember when I got King last year and he jumped his first log you know i love doing that type of stuff and then taking them to their first long and seeing how they react after that and that's just i just love it love it love it, love it so i'm really excited to take these young guys out um and yeah that's the thing i'm looking most forward to and then my uh, fiance keeps bugging me and telling me we need to plan our wedding so i need to take a break and organize that as well <laughs>
2: Oh well congratulations. I, I didn't know that you were engaged. That's so exciting.
0: Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Be more exciting. I keep telling him, I'm like, all right, if I get one week off, I promise you I'll plan and then it's just horse show after horse show after horse show. We're just again, like Doug Payne said, we're just drug addicts.
2: Famous last words. When I when I when I take a day off, when I take a weekend <laughs> off. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. And I, again, I really appreciate you just taking the time to do this and I know our listeners are going to love it. Awesome. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. And I do want to add, um I, mm-hmm. business, um, I couldn't have my
0: business. Um, I not have my business without mm-hmm. my, um, we keep, uh, it's hard. I don't know how to describe her. Maybe I'll just call her my work wife, but I have a partner, Casey McKissick, and she's been with me for the past four years, pretty much ever since I left the left all my coaches you know and kind of moved out on my own and I couldn't have this without her so I just want to give a shout out to Casey she's there all day every day she was my groom at Kentucky she's here watching me get bucked off one of my young horses this morning she's she's always been my rock so just wanted to say throw a shout out to her and I think it's really important every upper level rider has to have someone like that in there for any I feel like anyone who has a business has to have someone like that in their in their program.
1: You got it. Well, thanks so much, Caroline. No problem. I'll talk Mm -hmm. to you later. Thanks for listening to this week's episode with Caroline Martin, and a big thank you to the sponsor of this week's episode, ByMita. Learn more at ByMitaUS.com. You can subscribe to the Practical Horseman podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. While you're there, please rate and review the show. I'm Julia Murphy, and you've been listening to the Practical Horseman podcast.